Well, welcome to another Acoustic Alternatives podcast. I'm John Bomarito from Grove Studios, and this is a first. I have a sponsor for my podcast, and we'll talk a little bit more about David Palmer, but David Palmer has been a supporter of mine for a while. Uh, he's a guy you can learn more about right now by going to dcpalmer.com. Well, not right now, actually. Watch the podcast, but write down dcpalmer.com. He's an associate broker realtor serving clients in the city of Detroit throughout the region. I'm going to tell you more about him, but I can't tell you how excited I am for this guest. This is a guest who has written songs that have just reached my heart in a way that nobody else really can do. And uh, we've forged a friendship over the years of visiting in studios and me seeing her at shows. And I, please welcome Liz Longley. Liz, it's so good to see you. So good to see you too. Your face. Seeing my, faces I, is such a beautiful thing these days. <laughs> I think this is the third podcast since I started that I'm not wearing a mask. So yeah, yeah I know. Last couple of guests, we kind of got away from the masks. But yeah. uh, Freedom. Freedom. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's so good to see you again. Anytime. And uh, really, it's it's more my pleasure, I think, than for you, but it's, it's all good. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I know you are, because you're sincere. Um, I like to do, even though we've done a lot of interviews, because the podcast is kind of a new audience for the most part, I kind of like to start at the beginning okay. and pretend like we, nobody knows you, which okay. is kind of weird. So when does your journey begin? When does when does music start in the life of Liz Longley? Mm, that's a great question. Um, well, I grew up in a very musical household, actually. My dad, I'll start, I'll roll back even further. My grandfather was an army band leader and had five kids and every single kid had an instrument. My dad was the oldest, had the trumpet and they were lined up every time anyone came over to visit, they had to play for whoever came wow. over. And so my dad thought that was totally normal because that's how he grew up. So when my brother and I were kids, we each were told we were gonna take lessons and uh, anytime anyone came over, we were performing. <laughs> but I didn't really start falling in love with music until I started exploring writing my own songs which was when I was 14 yeah. and I'd been writing for, I mean, I'd been playing for piano for about seven years before that. But as soon as I felt that freedom to finally just express my own self and find myself through music, that's really when I knew it was what I wanted to do, which is crazy. But yeah, 14 years old, I played my first song out at a ninth grade performance, got a standing ovation and decided right then and there that it's what I was going to do. Besides your parents and other family members, do you remember who the first person to encourage you to do that? Cause that, that takes courage to do that. Oh, I had the greatest teachers. I really did. And um, my choir teacher actually is who got me to play my first song in the first place. I was supposed to have a solo and I was going to sing, you know, probably some Disney song or something like that. And I said, Mr. McCluskey, I, I wrote a song. And he said, that's it. You're playing that. And I immediately wanted to take it back. No, no, I didn't. I didn't want that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just said, you're out there. I'm putting you on the piano and you're going to play it and you're going to see how it goes. And and that was what made it stick. And I was lucky to have a band teacher that was very supportive too. So my whole high school was just incredible. That's great. I played at our prom. So that's wow. how that's how supportive they were. <laughs> wow. You didn't actually go to prom. You played at prom. Yeah, I played prom. <laughs> I had kind of felt the way about my uh, my 20-year class reunion. I'm like, I kind of want to go, but I kind of don't want to go. So I'm uh -huh. just going to DJ it. And that way, if people want to talk to me, I'm standing still. They can come talk to me. That's amazing. Yeah. In your work. safe place. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't work because nobody talked to me. Anyway. <laughs> so piano was your first instrument and then guitar? Guitar. Yeah, I didn't start guitar until I was a teenager, um, and I, I, I gravitated toward it as I kept studying music. I went to college for songwriting and found that the guitar was much more friendly for different grooves and, and different sounds and much more portable. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, especially I lived in Boston, and I remember I was walking to a gig with my keyboard over a bridge in the snow, and I thought, yeah, I think I'm going to switch to guitar. <laughs> Did you learn nothing from Ben Folds? He took his piano everywhere. And that <laughs> Well, you've got a beautiful guitar. I'd like to hear a little quick story about the guitar and whatever song you want to play. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
This is a McPherson guitar. I'm so lucky to play it. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I, I've had it for years, but it is just the most impeccable instrument. Basically, they're, they're made like a grand piano of guitars. And so if you look them up online, McPherson guitars, the holes are in the top of the guitar mm -hmm. so that the sound has more space to resonate. And the bridge is floating, so nothing detracts from the resonance. So it has a much fuller sound than any guitar I've played before. It's beautiful. And they only make a hundred of them a year, so they're they're pretty rare in the guitar world. Anyway, here's a song called My Muse. This is off my new record called Funeral for My Past. He sits on my front porch nursing a cigarette. It's well past 5 a.m. He's wide-eyed and buzzing. Just like everybody else in this town, I met him at the bar. Poured out his heart. Some say it's the war, some say it's the whiskey. My muse, the glory in his mess. He's as confused as I am about life and death. And I am bound to his darkness like he's bound to my light. He's my
Liz Longley is my guest on Acoustic Alternatives this week. My muse from Funeral for My Past, one of my favorite albums, which we'll get to as we talk a little bit later of 2020. And uh, that uh, was one of the highlights of 2020 was you, really, quite honestly. Thank you. Well, Thanks for being there for me through all that. It was it was incredible to feel like, you know, I could play a show online and feel some sort of connection to the people that I missed. And I hated not being on the road, but it was that was a really that was a highlight for me getting to feel connected. Nonetheless, glad to hear it. We were talking a little bit about young you and the 14-year-old writing mm-hmm. a song. Was songwriting kind of a natural thing for you? Was it sort of an extension of what you were already like growing up listening to and doing in the house? Or was it you felt like maybe this is what I should do? It it happened without much, you know, there wasn't much thought that went into it except for my parents went on vacation and my grandmother was home. And so I had this like alone time to just kind of explore sounds and sing whatever was on my mind and um it was a very natural evolution and my parents supported it every step of the way and um made me feel like it was something that i could do and but yeah i would say it was pretty natural but i had i knew that i wanted to learn more about it like there's two parts of songwriting there's like the heart part and the brain part and i my heart was in it but um i've learned that there's you can also step away from your songs and look at them more on an analytical in an analytical way and kind of figure out how to make them stronger. So I went to college to get the tools to do that. Berkeley College of Music, not just college. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a distinction. You didn't go to, you know, University of Michigan, which has a great music school as well. But Berkeley, the reputation is is a pretty big deal. So yeah, it was an incredible experience. I bet. And you uh, obviously honed your craft there a little bit more than you did as a 14 year old. Yes. Do you find that it is easier to write songs because of that experience or you have like a 14 year old kind of just came out of you right now I mean you've got more life experience it seems like it would be easier but maybe it's harder I don't know I I wouldn't say that well you know it's funny because people that were studying songwriting or people that decided not to choose songwriting as a major um I felt like some some of them I heard people say I don't want to learn anything about it I don't want it to stunt my natural songwriting tendencies and I felt the opposite way I was like give me all of the tools I will still write songs in a meditative state and then I'll come out of that state and I'll get to use the tools to sharpen my songs. And so I still feel like I use them to this day. So yes, it's definitely made songwriting easier. What makes songwriting harder uh, now looking at it from that, from, you know, now I'm 33 years old, I write songs in a much more, like I edit myself before it's even begun because now the internet is such a thing and you start to think, oh, who's going to hear this and who's going to think what? But when I was young, I didn't give a hoot who heard it or what they thought I was just doing it so just pouring out your heart yeah and that's what I that's what I longed to get back to but the tools um they only help me awesome well the first thing I can find in your in your discography which I don't actually have is an EP called Naked Trees I know there's 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 a web (laughs) page called Discogs which has a bunch of things I'm like I don't have that I don't have that we're gonna talk Mm. about that later Uh, (laughs) when did you start getting national attention was it your third album Hot Loose Wire that started getting more yeah like actually getting airplay on on yes yep that one got some attention and that's actually how I got the McPherson guitar they heard when you've got trouble on the radio and reach out to me but that's when I started getting an influx of emails about people all over the country hearing hearing when you've got trouble and how it touched their life and that was a huge turning point for me. So 2010 is where it kind of started mm-hmm. to get going. The ball started rolling in your direction. Yep. I also saw a leap, a leap, a leap in growth in your songwriting. Uh, there's good stuff on those early records. Good example when you've got trouble. I love that song. But the tracks on the following album is mm-hmm. really, I felt like a huge step forward for you in your career. 
And that, uh, well, it didn't ultimately work out to be that great, but you, you did get signed to a, a, a label, Sugar Hill, which had been around forever. Yeah. Uh, what was your reaction when you got that? Was it sort of an I made it kind of feeling? Or was it more like, <laughs> wow, this is cool? Yeah, you know, I think I always thought that the end, the end goal was always get a record deal and then you're good. You know, like you're, you're golden and you just like do your thing and you're set. Um, but no, I realized right away that's not how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you just have to work harder, you know. And, and, um, there's been, there's been no point that I've had to start, stop grinding to make music work. Um, so yeah, getting record deal was, it was great to have a team, that team feeling for a little while, but then also there's, you know, there's pros and cons to each thing. Now I'm an independent artist and I love that I don't have to answer to anyone and I can write and release any kind of music whenever I want, sound like whatever I want. And I, I feel like I have a closer connection to the people that listen to my music because I'm making it for me. So and them, you know, That's not not for not, I'm not answering to a label and what they see as my next sound or my next, you know, play in the music business. So, um, yeah, it did change my life temporarily. But now I have a different perspective. Well, before they got a hold of it, you had released it independently. Yes. And actually, there's a song that's not included on it. Your cover of a Queen song it didn't end up on the Sugar Hill version. Right. Um, but that either form in either form, whether it has or doesn't have the Queen song. That 2015 release is one of my favorite albums of all time, and I'm not kidding you. It is such a great record. Thank you. Stands up every time I listen to it. That just it takes me to a place. It just it's it's solid from start to finish. Thank you so much. And you still do those songs in concert quite a bit, too. I do. It's one of my probably my most popular records still, um, and I'm still really proud of it. It's funny because you know you look. Typically, I make a record and then like a couple of years later, I'm like, oh, shoot, let's forget about that one. Um, but that one I'm still really proud of. And the process of making that record was was such a dream. I mean, I got to work on Music Row with some of the best musicians in Nashville, people that had played for Sheryl Crow and James Taylor and Stevie Nicks. And um, so it was just like a ridiculous experience. And it was all made possible because I was independent at the time from a Kickstarter um, at that, then I got the label deal and then I made a record with them and, and then I was independent again and my fans helped me through Kickstarter buy my music back from them. So it was just kind of a, it's kind of a crazy full circle moment, but I loved all of it. I feel so lucky to get to do this. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was the moment where I kind of went from being a, wow, she's good to holy crap. How does she write my heart? How does she do that? <laughs> how does she, you got inside of me and you don't even really know me. I met you once before that or right around that time, actually. No, it was, it was in between that record. I think that I met you for the first time. You were yeah. playing Black Crystal Cafe. Yeah. And you had handed me Hot Loose Wire and we did a little session. But yeah, it was it was a huge like, OK, OK, I'm paying attention now. <laughs> so congratulations on that. Thank uh, you. It was right around that time that it seemed like Taylor Swift was helping careers of others by tweeting about their room, bringing them on tour because she believed in them. I think if she had done that for you, you wouldn't be sitting here with me because that would have taken you to the plane that I think you actually deserve to be on. The same as her. I mean, quite honestly, her, her songwriting is obviously very good and, and she's doing pretty pretty well for herself. <laughs> she's doing all right. She's all right. But <laughs> I, I don't think there's really a difference in the quality of songwriting between what you're doing and what she's doing. There's no reason you couldn't be as well known if, Thank you, you. if you even want that. I mean, you might be extremely comfortable with this level of success that you've achieved. You, you know, 2020 really made me think about that, about what kind of career that I want as opposed to what career I always thought I should want. And I think I've always just thought, you know, I want to be as big as I possibly can. But there is a, you know, we're in Nashville. We see firsthand what it's like for some of those people that have really made it and how private they have to be and how hard it is to be a famous person. And 
just to be a public figure is it's a whole it's a whole nother job on top of being a musician and I don't know if I really want that um I love just getting to do what I do and so at this point I, I always said this though when I was when I was in college all my friends were trying to write number one hit songs and they're like we're gonna make millions of dollars and write number one songs and I was like I'm gonna keep just playing coffee shops and doing my thing and they're like do you really want that for the rest of your life and I think I do is that bad no you know? think of the connections I mean I just saw you do a house concert and the connections you have with your fans is is... that is what fuels me that's what i love people i love getting to connect with people and and realizing that we've all experienced a lot of the same things depending not you know we've all been had different experiences but we felt a lot of the same emotions and the fact that music can connect us in that way is really really special you got a moment like you had last night where you're in this really intimate venue but then we could recall a moment that i believe brandy carlisle brought you on stage yes that was pretty cool. You could talk about that. I mean, <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah. So 2018, I was playing Pilgrimage Festival, which I was so looking forward to. And it got rained out. And um, Brandy Carlisle's set got rained out, too. So she decided to take over the city winery in Nashville and have have her own concert <laughs> there, which, you know, I think that place holds like 400, 500 people, maybe. So it sold out in an instant when the when the festival shut down. And she texted me that day. Um, she got my number from a mutual friend, you know, just casually getting a text from Brandy Carlisle, like, hey, you want to come come sing tonight? I was like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I would like that. Is this really Brandy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that night I played the track of the title track of my new record, Funeral for My Past. And um, I, had, I don't think I'd played it very much at all. And I had the crowd singing with me, which was such a cool feeling. And then Brandy pulled me aside afterwards and was was very kind and supportive. And she's just a, a treasure in the music yeah. industry. So getting to share that song with her crowd was was uh, something I'll always remember. I've had her kindness in front of me a couple of times in my life, and she's just a sweetheart for sure. She really is, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Funeral for My Past, the album, that's the latest album. Would you like to yes. do another song? Sure, absolutely. This is a track off the new record. This is um, this is a love song that I wrote for my now husband, but it's the first song I wrote for him, and I remember telling him, hey, I wrote you, I wrote you a love song. It's called Torture. <laughs> that went over well. Being without you is being locked in a room. An eternal afternoon set to a song sung out of tune over and over again. Why does it feel like torture not to have your skin on mine? How I lived before you loved me And now I'm dying all the time All my pleasure choked by pain Since I let you get away I should have tied you to the bed When I had you in the flesh Now I'm chained to the memory
I didn't cry. <laughs> Go me. Listen only on Acoustic Alternatives. Torture uh, from Funeral from My Past, though, obviously done right here in front of me at uh, Grove Studios. And uh, what a treat that is. That is one of my favorite songs ever. Uh, it just it reaches me in ways that I can't. It's just It's so beautiful. And Thank the man so who's much. written about it is out of camera view, but right to my right here. And uh, He's wow. right here. He's right here. The man himself. I think you looked at him briefly for a second <laughs> when you were singing it. Like, that's got to be hard. <laughs> Before I move forward, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, this is the first the first time I actually had a sponsor for the program, and that's really how I was able to do this, because it was about time that it was going to end without the sponsor. And mm. I said, ooh, 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 wait, no. <laughs> I have a chance to have Liz Longley in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find somebody who actually believes in what I'm doing. And I do have somebody, my first sponsor, David Palmer, a guy I've known for many years. He's been supporting me here and on the radio for many years, and he specializes in helping first-time home buyers and those selling a home who are still recovering from their experience at the first-time buyers with a past agency. This is something that he specializes at. You can read testimonials about David's work at dcpalmer.com. He's also quite adept at estate sales and downsizing. If you're near my age, you may have already had to struggle with the passing of a loved one, a parent, and being able to decide what to do with a lifetime of stuff inside the home. That's going to be tough for me coming up soon. Many of us have been thinking about what the when the inevitable happens. What am I going to do? Well, David Palmer is your solution for that. He will walk you through the steps, and with your permission, he'll help you manage the third parties whose services you will need. I've known David Palmer for years. He's a great human being. He's got a vast knowledge of the Detroit region and cares deeply about positive social impact. You will enjoy discussing more than just your future home with David. If you're a music fan, talk music with the man. He's great at it. I'm really glad to know David, and I think you will be too. Please check out David's website again. It's dcpalmer.com and see how we can help you or someone you know buy or sell a home. And David Palmer is affiliated with Realty Experts LLC, 14020 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226. That phone number is 313-759-9558. Thanks for letting me do that in the middle of this. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, really, it is him that makes this possible today. So. That is so cool. So we're up to 2016. Waitlist was the album that followed your self-titled album. Uh, another one that I felt was overlooked by the masses because it has some great stuff. Actually, I have that one with me today because I was searching through what uh, I have in my collection, which is nearly everything. And since I've met you so many times, they're all autographed, except somehow this one. <laughs> somehow I didn't have you. Scribble on that. So great album. Another album that uh, people should, should look into. Something that's kind of funny about the way I've fallen in love with your music, though, even though this is a beautifully, fully produced record, for the most part... I've seen you do the songs just like you're doing them today and the acoustic forms. And that's, I mean, you've done band shows, mm -hmm. but I hear the lyrics more and I feel more when it's just you and the guitar, you and the piano. Do you get that reaction a lot from your fans? Cause people yes. come up and see you in this form. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's been something that's been really important to me to take that feedback and, and run with it, especially in, 
the studio. It's really important that the the lyrics are heard. And I mean, that's where, like we're talking about connection. That's where the connection is made with, with the lyrics, at least for me as a listener, that's how I connect to a song. So um, to find um, a producer like Paul Moak for Funeral From My Past, where the lyrics could shine, I felt more than any record I had before that wasn't stripped down, um, was really important to me. So finding people that know how to serve a song is really important. But yeah, I do get that a lot. And so now most of my tours are really just me. Me and my guitar and my piano. And yeah. you figured out how to incorporate that into the album recordings too, like make sure that the things that stand out at the show stand out in the records. Exactly. And um, coming out this year, I have an acoustic EP of Funeral from My Past. So six songs from the record completely stripped down. So it is something more like the show. I was going to get to that. Actually, I'm there now. It's it's your excellent newest album, Funeral from My Past, which just came out in 2020. My third favorite album of the hundreds released in 2020. So you've also, uh, because I have the EP already, being one of your Patreon fans, mm-hmm. it was my favorite EP of 2020, which apparently I need to move it to the 2021 list because <laughs> these- it's not officially out yet. Uh, it, it's in my collection and I've had it for a long time. <laughs> the six acoustic versions of songs from the album that uh, you know really stand out that way. So look for that officially released. Is there a, a mm-hmm. month, a date? Um, the first single comes out on July 9th. Soon enough. Yeah. There you go. But you weren't done putting out favorite albums of the year. You also put out a Christmas EP, and that was my favorite Christmas EP for sure of the year called A Little Magic. I know it's not very timely in June or July to be thinking about those, but it was so well done. Thank and you just, so much. Just one, all originals with the exception of uh, Let It Be Me. Let it, um, oh, I'm sorry, no. Let uh, There well, Be Peace on Earth. Let There Be Peace on Earth. Yeah, Let yes. Be a completely different song. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the uh, the Vince Gill arrangement of that, I think. Yes, it, exactly. It, it, yeah, and I went back into the studio with Paul Moak, which was, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to work with him again, so... During the pandemic, it was September, you know, we all were wearing Santa hats, hats and masks and just trying to get in the Christmas spirit when the world felt like it was falling apart. Um, but it was a very special time to have to, to, to try to tap into that, you know, that childlike outlook on the world of just like everything is magical. And um, so we had a great time making that record. It's got to be hard to write original Christmas music, though. It is so fun. It is so much fun because I like I like being limited. Like, give me a box and then I will work my way around it. Give me a uh, a limitation. So, hey, write a Christmas song. It has to take place in winter or, you know, right. <laughs> on an island. I wrote a song about being on an island in Christmas. So, um, yeah, I had a great time with that. Something to mentally note. I know in June, July, we're not thinking Christmas music, but look that one up and make sure you have it in your collection at some point. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have to also congratulate you on your your Kickstarter campaign that I was part of. And I'm yes, definitely rocking the tea. Rocking the tea. There were how Thank many you so how much for being part of it. 1,302 people. It says right there, 1,302 crew. The fourth most funded solo female in Kickstarter history. I hope that stands. And maybe your next one, you'll be the first because I have a feeling you might do another one. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. But... Maybe. I don't know. Are you thinking next record at all? I know you're still kind of working on this one because you didn't get a chance to promote it. Yeah. No, I haven't even gotten there yet. You know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was like, oh, artists are going to be so creative in this time stuck at home. But there was so like I was in survival mode. You know, how do I make a living from home? Right. Uh, totally restructure my business and um, and then put out two records from my living room, basically. So um, I did not write very many songs. <laughs> I've heard, so, heard that a lot, actually. You have? That makes me feel a little better. Well, 2020 was supposed to be your wedding year, but you finally got married. The man of your dreams, who's to my right over here. Yes. Uh, does this end all the breakup songs I've ever, all the best breakup songs I've ever heard? <laughs> People I hope, have asked I kind of hope that it does, because <laughs> I don't want you to lose him. He's pretty special. I like him, too. Oh, oh, oh. I definitely won't write any breakup songs about him, obviously. That's not in the plan. But, <laughs> um, but I don't think that I'll stop writing 
you know, songs about break. I don't know. It's just part of who I am. <laughs> well, you're so... I started writing breakup songs before I'd ever even been in a relationship. What? My first song was a breakup song. I was 14. What? It was called Bye Bye Baby. Wow. <laughs> and now it's a store. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> I'm very happy for you, too. And I mean, I, I selfishly thought the same thing I thought about when Sarah McLaughlin got married because she had all these forlorn and wanting songs. Yeah. And then she got married to Ash. And it was like, well, those are all gone now, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Selfish me. I'm going to lose all my favorite style Sarah McLaughlin songs. <laughs> Obviously, you and I have a friendship, and I don't want that to happen for you. Yes. I want you to continue to be happy with your choices and, and uh, write the beautiful love songs like Torture. Thank you. Things like that that can reach our heart. So collaborations have also been a big part of what you've done, uh, writing with a seven-year-old on your newest <laughs> album. Yes. That has to be a, a first. Yeah. Uh, Barnaby Bright, Jesse Terry, Jeff LeBlanc, Michael Logan, Seth Clear, and many others. Do you like that more than writing by yourself, writing with others? Oh, do I like it more? No, it's just a different experience. I, I actually think that um, writing writing with someone, I mean, there's so much that you can learn from that. And there's something beautiful about walking away from a co-write and thinking, we both have this song now who wants to sing it or we can both take it out into the world. Like me and Jeff, we both have released songs that we've co-written and it's cool that we get to release it and put our spin on it and, <laughs> and we're connected in that way. But, um, but there's something really special about writing a song alone that um, I don't know how to get to that, you know, as I referred to before that deep meditative songwriting state um, with someone else in the room. It's just something I haven't been able to figure out how to do. Um, so I wouldn't say that I like co-writing more. No. And, and, and Nashville is a co-writing town. So plenty to, of opportunity. Yeah. So to not be a huge fan of, of co-writing is kind of, um, you know, it's kind of hard to navigate in Nashville. Anywhere but in I the still, world, anybody in the world, who would it be on your wish list? I'm sorry to interrupt your sentence. There. Oh, that's okay. Um, Doesn't I, have to be a Nashville. I do have someone on my wish list, actually, that I've talked to before. And I've kind of hoped that it happens one day. Dan Wilson. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> He hasn't worked with anybody famous like no. Adele or anything like that. No, not like Adele or the Dixie Chicks or anything. No, nothing. <laughs> well, I personally, I think I told you this uh, not in this conversation, but I want it to be Gary Lightbody of Snow Patrol. Oh, yeah. Because his songwriting and the way he writes about love and feeling mm -hmm. is very much the same. Like, it hits me exactly the same as the way your stuff does. And I mm -hmm. thought, if those two wrote something together, I would probably explode <laughs> or die. <laughs> Heart attack. I don't know. But I that, remember you saying that to yeah. me. Yeah, does he live in Nashville? No, he's no. Uh, Minnesota, Ireland. Ireland. Oh, Ireland, okay. <laughs> Somewhere over the pond, you know, over there. Not not very close. But they will be touring, and so maybe, you know, while he's in America, because I've got tickets to see a show in Detroit not oh, wow. sometime next year. I don't know, it's been rescheduled three times now, so. Yeah. Um, but that just seems like, I mean, he he worked, not not that I, you're, you're nothing like Taylor Swift, so bringing her up again is just coincidental. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. So. But they, they did a song together, too. So it was, Oh, that's right. On her red record, right? Right, yeah. correct. So just not because of that, just because of the way he writes songs. I think yeah. it'd be really, really interesting collaboration. We mentioned Patrick. Patrick play music at all or is he just in video? Yeah. So he used to play, well, before we met, he was doing his singer-songwriter thing. And then when he moved on to Nashville, he started transitioning to more behind the scenes, managing an incredible band called The Young Fables. Mm -hmm. He, as of a month ago, now manages my favorite band, the uh, Barnaby Bright, oh, who cool. you know. Yeah. And um, Played your wedding. They played our wedding and he filmed their music video for old coats years and years ago. So he's just one of those people who's just annoyingly good at everything and kind him. of co constantly morphs. Like he manages a band. He's a videographer. 
Um, he's a photographer when he needs to be. He does people's websites. He's just kind of all over the place and really um, supports artists in every way that he could possibly do. So it's, it's, it's very inspiring to be around him and his creative mind all the time. Do you guys ever plan on doing music together? Um, no. No. <laughs> I'm looking at sticky. his face. No. <laughs> no, no, he says no, no. <laughs> Probably safe. He has so many artistic outlets. Like he's an incredible poet and an artist in his own right. And um, so it's just amazing that we get to live this creative life together and we support each other in everything we do. But but I don't I don't try to hop on what he does and he doesn't try to hop on what I do. We just support each other. There you go. Well, speaking of collaborations, you've got a collaboration that will be, I think it's just for Patreon members. It's the Circle Game concert happening on June yes. 27th. I am I was already following Rebecca Lobe. Oh, good. I am a fan of Heather. I didn't join her Patreon until like, oh, I'm going to join that too. Oh, that's so awesome. I will be there on June 27th. Is, is, is that the only way people can see this concert with the three of you is to join Patreon? Actually, um, no, they can see it if they don't join Patreon, but they get a bunch of bonus stuff if they do join Patreon. Um, but it's kind of an invite for people that don't, don't even know what Patreon is. Um, but you can just go to LizLongley.com and there will be a link um, to the show. It's on June 27th on a Sunday, uh, I think at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time. Something that might like be that. it, something like that. And so, yeah, we're going to be in the round virtually on Zoom, and that's why we called it the Circle Game. We've all loved Joni Mitchell, and <laughs> um, we've never all gotten to play a show together. So we're doing it on, on, on Patreon together. So on Zoom together, I should say. But we're all on Patreon. It's confusing. Do you mind discussing the importance of Patreon? No. Right because I think this is what has sustained you in the last Oh my year. gosh, yeah. It's literally, that's the only way that I was able to make a living on music from home um, during the pandemic. And um, now I consider it a huge part of what I do. I absolutely love it. Um, it is a subscription-based platform where you, you subscribe and you get tons of exclusive content from me at any level, anywhere from um, unreleased songs uh, every month and cover songs every month uh exclusive recordings videos uh we make a video every month with the cover song and i tell all the behind the scenes stories about every song that i put out and everybody gets the music that i put out before the rest of the world does um as a rule and mm -hmm. um and i do these fun voicemails which i really enjoy so i just kind of like like leaving a voice message for all the people that subscribe and just checking in and giving them the scoop on on the latest things going on in my life. So it's so much fun. It's a great community. And in 2020, the people that like my music started calling themselves lizards. So <laughs> that's kind of taken off. So I call them the lizards of Patreon. So if you would like to be a lizard, you are invited. Cool. Already am, as you know. Yes, I know you are. How about another song? Sure. Is there a story with this one? There's always a story. Do you want to tell the story? Yes. Because um, I don't know what you're playing. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to play a song called Get to Know Someone. I wrote this um, after, you know, uh, I had a relationship end and I just realized that, you know, there was such a difference between the ending of this relationship and previous relationships. And uh, we were able to stay friends. And I thought, wow, you really get to know someone um, when you're, you know, parting, parting ways. So that's what this song's about. <laughs> really get to know someone when they're falling out of love with you do they look you in the eye and say it or whisper it to someone new point the finger point the blame or hold you till it's all okay saying losing love 
Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't When all infatuation's gone And you tell each other what you want When all the playing games is done You really get to know someone You really get to know someone It's all in the way they say goodbye Do they curse your name and slam the door Or kiss you for just one last time It's all in the way they tell the story Do they take the heat or take the glory Hey, losing love is no one's fault Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't When all infatuation's gone And you tell each other what you want When all the playing games is done You really get to know someone So don't make it harder than it has to Longley is my guest on Acoustic Alternatives, another track from Funeral for My Past, her newest record, which you can find lizlongley.com and all the major sites that sell music. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. Uh, songs about other people. Hard to sing at this point? I mean, no. No, because I mean, most of your catalog is not about Patrick. Yeah, no. I've, um, I've been lucky that I've never had any relationship where the person I'm with has a hard time with me singing the songs that I wrote before. I've been lucky in that. Maybe just because I haven't given them any wiggle room to be jealous. Like, you're good. (laughs) Patrick is very secure in our relationship and I'm very secure in our relationship that I can, I can sing songs from the past and, and know that that's, that's a part of me and Patrick has parts of his past and that's just how it is. You know, you can't expect someone to come along and not have a past. And there's this new song that we've been listening to, um, by Emily Wise band and it's called psychopath. And it's basically like, (laughs) you'd be a psychopath if you didn't have, 
like just any feelings about the people that you loved in the past. You know, not that I have feelings for anyone from the right, past, right, but you know right. what I mean? Like if you have a heart, like you've, you've experienced things in your life. Sure. And I think that I've experienced enough to bring the good things, you know, that I learned um, into our relationship and, and vice versa. So the song that you just played kind of as you were playing it, it m- reminded me of how many times I've tried to prioritize maintaining a friendship. Because mm-hmm. if you loved somebody, there's there's a connection there. You don't want to really lose them even if you break up. I mean, yeah. unless it's a horrible breakup, but you yeah. you obviously had things in common and there's still a friendship there if it can be if it can be nurtured, if it was not a horrible situation. Right. So it didn't work out, that's fine. Maybe it takes six months, a year, two years, whatever, to, yeah, to maintain yeah. that friendship again. But to come back to it. Right. But you had a connection. Right. I mean, unless it was only sexual, but yeah. most of the time there's a an emotional connection with somebody. Yeah. So well, um, just uh, to be clear, that's the only person that I dated that I'm still like, you know, mildly in touch with. Yeah, like we've hung out with him and it's totally cool. He's actually how him and I connected. Oh, well, that's sweet. <laughs> we are we already broken up him and I because we were just cool to be friends. So and yeah. then Patrick came along. That was actually so can't help myself when I filmed can't help myself. Patrick and I, that's kind of where we reconnected. But my ex is who recorded it. Mm. So it was just kind of a funny thing how yeah. it all worked out. Very but, nice. you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, I think. Well, thanks to Patreon, I was actually able to watch your wedding ceremony. Oh, my gosh. I was crying. Sorry. I mean, I wasn't there, but I... No, I love it. I, it was it was beautiful. And, then, you know... Oh, it was the best. Sharing it with us was really special. It was really cool. Well, I'll have more for you whenever we get the videos in the Patreon... Uh, the videos in the uh, photographs back. I'll be sharing it on Patreon. One of the stories that you shared on Patreon and shared in your concerts too is your wedding night story. What happened as you were trying to get to your room? Tell us the story. Yeah. You know, like your wedding night is like the most special night of your life and you're you're exhausted at the end of it though. Mm-hmm. And so we loaded everything into our hotel room and uh, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, we should at least just go hang out with our friends in the lobby for a little bit. So we left everything on our room, like cake, champagne, cards, what we were going to sleep in, our toiletries, like I wear contacts, you know, all the things that you need just to sleep <laughs> and mm-hmm. wake up the next day and not look like a crazy person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we got locked out and we, we thought we'd get back in that night, but long story short, we didn't. And the hotel was like, basically we're going to knock down the door or get a technician sometime tomorrow. I'm like, let's knock down the door. Yeah, I want my stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to show up to my breakfast tomorrow morning in my sweaty yeah. wedding dress. Yeah, brunch tomorrow. I'm yeah. like, I'm not wearing my wedding dress to brunch tomorrow. Anyway. That'd um, be a story too, though. Yeah. That, can you imagine people like, what happened to you? Why are you still in that? And I just love this dress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to let go. <laughs> I only get to wear it once. I got to wear it at least two more hours. <laughs> oh, and we, our wedding night, it had rained too. So yes. like the bottom of my dress was like a soggy, muddy mess. Oh. It wasn't cute at that point. So anyway, long story short, we did not get into our room. They did not knock the door down. We had to sleep in another room with none of our stuff. And Patrick's friend um, was so sweet. And she's like, I have some clothes you can wear on your wedding night. You know, sweatpants and a paint-stained baggy T-shirt. So, you know, it was very romantic. Yeah. So we'll always remember it. It's a great story, though. I mean, it's (laughs) memorable for sure. I don't remember mine other than she had a migraine. Awesome. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that sucks. Yes. I'm sorry. That's when I found out that flash photography can cause migraines. That's that's when I learned that. On, no on wedding way. Night. Well, because it's, you know, blinking. <gasps> I didn't think of that. Yeah, there you go. In oh, dark rooms. Wow. Oh. So your job, as most people would see it, is as a singer-songwriter. But really, they forget about the part that brings you to me and brings you to shows, the traveling part of the job. 
That's, I mean, that takes up more hours than the performing, doesn't it? It does. And I, I am a driver. That is my other job. Yes, I'm a driver. I wish I could say tour bus driver, but I'm a minivan driver. And honestly, that's that's part of it. That's that's kind of what makes it work. Mm-hmm. The the time to think and drive to clear your mind and set yourself straight for the next day and get re-energized. Remember why you love to do it and think about all the things, the highs and lows the night before. There's something special about it. So, um yeah, that's part of my job. It's not glamorous. Like the first night of tour, uh, you know, we, I haven't been on tour in so long mm-hmm. and I forgot like, oh, yeah, sometimes you have to get dressed in your car in the parking lot in front of the building and hide under a sheet. OK, yeah. noted. Yeah, it's not glamorous. <laughs> well, now you have a traveling companion. Yes, I'm so lucky in that. But not all the time. You know, he has no. his own his own stuff going on. So I'm lucky that he's on this tour with me. What do you guys listen to when you're traveling? Podcast, music, nothing. I listen to podcasts. I do. Yeah. Although we were listening to music on the way over here. Um, what were we listening to? Oh, Andrew Rip. We really love Andrew Rip. He was he had a song that we used during our wedding. And so we love listening to him. It gets us pumped. Um, but yeah, I have a podcast that I am a member of her Patreon and I get all the extra content and I yes. just it just really entertains me. <laughs> Eventually, mine will be available in audio form, currently video and Great. sometimes audio. So then you can at least check out the one with Patrick's friend. In Elevato. Yes, that's so, so cool. And you need to have a Patreon because people love what you do and people want to support you. So I highly recommend it. It will you will be so amazed at how how good it feels to share exclusive content with people and how when people support you, it just it refuels you, you know. So I, I, have a hard I time encourage you. I have a hard time believing in myself enough to think that I would get support, but thank you. I I, might... I get that. I struggled with launch. I'm like, I'm like, do I want to do this? You know, but it's been such a blessing in my life. You're doing so. How shows along the way in between the the venues? Uh, do you have more obnoxious fans? Like perhaps <laughs> I'm not going to bring up anyone in particular, um, but uh, do you find that that's more common at the house shows than at the actual like venues? Are people more behaved oh. in venues than they are in house shows? Because yeah, yeah well, actually, no. Usually house shows, people are pretty good. Really? Yeah. That was last night was a unique experience. A bit. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. Of, um, kissing people we didn't know. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. There must have been some. Uh, a little bit of something extra in the drink. Liquid courage. That's the thing is that you know whatever they're drinking, they brought it, so there's no limitation. Right. They're just going. Um, but no, typically I'm really lucky that I play mostly listening rooms. So if someone is like talking a lot, typically a venue will say, "Hey, you know, this is a listening room." Yeah. So I'm lucky in that sense. But yeah, last night was. You know, those are the kind of things though as a performer that you you remember oh. and they make your night like more interesting. I, I thought it was fun. It's fun when somebody interacts with you from the crowd yeah. and like people I know think it's rude, but sometimes it's, it's interesting and it spices up the, the night for me. So I don't mind it too much. It but, felt rude. That's why I asked. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not offended. I'm not very easily offended. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> what would 14 year old say to you? You're a 14 year old self say to yourself now. I think she would be surprised, very surprised that this is my job. I was a really shy kid growing up and um i don't know like i was yeah i was really shy i know i always loved singing but i think i would have been surprised that i ended up songwriting um because that was not originally part of i didn't even know i don't know i just didn't think about how songs come to be you know um i think she'd be really happy that this is the path my life has gone down i'm happy it's the path your life went down (laughs) thank you thank you so much for always supporting me and my music i will tell i'm gone thank you john I know it was a tough year for writing songs. Is there anything new? You've been always kind and always giving me like, this is from my next thing. And I've gotten it like a year before it happens. 
you don't have to have anything new in the coffer, but this is a, a final song, and I want to let you play whatever you want. If there's um, something new you want to throw out here, do it. If not, play something from Funeral. I'm going to play Funeral from my past. I'm good with that. Thank you for that invite, though. Hopefully next time I'll have something new I can test out on you. Hey, 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 hey.
wish I had the strength to do that sometimes because sometimes it passed really gets you. Oh yeah. I mean, this is a, I mean, I wrote this as a, as an encourage to encourage myself to let shit go. Can I say that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's not the radio. Um, but it's not, it is not easy. And it, it almost serves for me as a daily reminder of like, Oh yeah. Check in like, Oh, what am I holding on to? Cause every day it's different. You know, it's not, it's not a, okay, set it and forget it. You know, it's an everyday practice to let things go. And it's not easy, especially with all that is going on in our world. Even as things open up yeah. there, I mean, I wrote this song before 2020, but now more than ever, I want to have a funeral for my past. Yeah. Like, let's let that shit go and take what we can learn from it and move forward, you know? Some people spent so much time in isolation, it's going to be hard to re insert themselves into society i mean i i did my best to try and stay in touch with people but it's yeah. still it's still challenging oh i i'm i'm right there with you i'm a total introvert and i don't think if i didn't have music and touring i don't know what i'd be doing right now i think i would 100 percent be at home and be trying to awkwardly figure out you know how to you know get back to normal but I, i've just been kind of thrown into it because of touring you know it's just mm -hmm. and you remember quickly how how amazing people are you know you know, we were all on the internet in 2020 and we're like, oh, people suck, you know, right. <laughs> you see the worst of humanity on Twitter yep. and then you get back into reality and like, people are good. People are so good. So we're going to see that again. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you too, John. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Max, for filming and recording. And thank you to your sponsors. And I hope you know how many people believe in you and what you do and how valuable what you do is to artists and the people that listen to what you do. So don't forget that. Thank you. LizLongley.com to find out more about her and uh, explore that catalog if you don't know it. And big thanks to Grove Studios for encouraging me to do this in the first place. Again, thanks to Max mm -hmm. for the video. And David Palmer, you made this possible. I want to really thank you. If you're, as I mentioned in the middle, if you're looking for uh, somebody to help you with the real estate needs, the real estate downsizing, uh, if you're, you've got somebody in the elderly uh, part of your life, like my father, you know, maybe your, your parent has passed away and you're trying to figure out what to do. He's going to be your solution. So check out dcpalmer.com. David Palmer affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC, 1420 Washington Street, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226-313-759-9558. What a pleasure to see you. And I can't wait till we cross paths again, my friend. Ditto. Hopefully it won't be too long. I hope not. <laughs> More acoustic alternatives is planned, so we're going to continue doing this as long as I can do it. Thanks for supporting it. Have a great rest of your day.